Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning once again, church. I am uh, thankful to be able to be a part of this with you. I'm thankful that you joined us today. Uh, pulling a little bit of extra duty this morning. Uh, Josh Abraham, our worship leader, is not able to be here today. And so I'm thankful for, uh, for Derek and for Jessica to help uh, carry the load as we tried to worship together today. But it is so good to be able to connect with one another uh, as we truly do miss each and every one. Uh, some Sundays, I find myself looking out into this space, and when I'm over in the sanctuary, I look out and I picture where many of you would uh, usually sit. Not that any of you have designated seats, but I can visualize where some of you might would be. I can visualize our youth gathered over here with Brad uh, sitting right there with them. I can picture so many of you in the different places. And so it's a vision that we're looking forward to one day being able to be together once again. But until that time comes, we give thanks for the, the use of technology that is able to unite us still in these unique ways. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks today for this opportunity that we have to worship and to praise you. We pray that your Holy Spirit may continue to speak in these moments, transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into a word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. As we have been going through uh, the life of David, we've been looking at uh, so many of these things and what we can learn about one who is described as one after God's own heart. And so at this point in the story, right here where we are today, King David probably is feeling pretty good about himself. I mean, you think about it. He was anointed to be the king when he was just a young teenager. And then he slew Goliath with the swing of a slingshot. His victorious battles were so well known that a song was sung about him, one that King Saul probably did not appreciate, a song with the lyrics of Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands. Things had turned sour with Saul, and Saul had pursued David, and David had to flee into the wilderness, even to one point where he had to flee to the Philistines. And you do remember who the Philistines are, right? Remember that Goliath guy? Yeah, he was one of them. And so he even flees to them until eventually they get wise to it, as he's trying to make himself out to be no threat. But they remember the song, and so they press him to leave. Now Saul eventually falls in battle, and David then truly becomes the king. And David makes Jerusalem the capital of all of Israel, the city of David. And last week, we talked about how David was being able to lead with his heart when he passionately brought into Jerusalem the ark of God, the symbol of God's presence with them. 
Yeah. I'd say David probably is feeling pretty good about himself. He's followed his heart and he's done quite well. Now that he has unified the kingdom and he's brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, David sits there in his plush palace. He looks around and he recognizes how God is good. All seems well for him. As he's there, he looks around and recognizes his honor, his privilege. And he then begins to think about the ark. The ark that ever since it was created by the hands of Bezalel and Oheliab, the ark has dwelled within a tent, within the tabernacle. And David looks around his plush palace and considers, maybe I should build a building to house the ark. And so David speaks to Nathan, the prophet, and he says to him, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that, is in your, that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. <laughs> the words of Nathan must have been so fulfilling for David. <laughs> he was going to get to do something magnificent for God. And as God had already done so much magnificence in his life. And can't you imagine the building that David was already visualizing to honor God? He must, it was probably going to be this incredible thing of beauty, something that would be filled with splendors unlike anything had ever been seen before. Oh, he could not wait for this vision to come about. But that very night, God speaks to Nathan. God speaks to Nathan and reminds him, did I ever ask that a house would be made for my ark ever since it's been created? Uh, since the ark was made, it has dwelled in a tent. And thus says the Lord of hosts, these are the words that he, Nathan, is to tell to David. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares that you, to you, that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up from your offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Nathan shared those words to David. And I can only imagine, I mean, David was king. Usually what the king wants, the king gets. What the king wanted in this moment was to be able to build a house for the ark. But God says, no, not you, but your offspring will be the one, but not you. That goes against what David's will is. That goes against what David's heart is. And you know what I've learned is so many times, God's ways are not our ways. 
God's timing is not our timing. But God's ways are perfect. And God's timing is perfect. It's just sometimes our will doesn't match up with thy will. When I answered the call to ministry and pursued uh, continuing my education at Duke Divinity School, I remember it was a sort of tenuous application process because one could say that I was not quite the best student in undergraduate. I was a great college kid, but not such a great student, if you know what I mean. When I did finally graduate, my wife Jennifer, she graduated magna cum laude. I graduated, thank you, laude. It was just by the hair, (laughs) by the, the nails, I was just razor thin. And so I knew applying into Duke Divinity School was going to be questionable, to say the least. But I was accepted, and I was told that I would, instead of graduating in three years, that I would take the path of a student pastor, although I was not going to be a student pastor, that it would take me four years. And so I was excited and happy about that. But then I remember getting a phone call from a district superintendent. He had an appointment that he wanted me to serve while I was a student at Duke. And I remember saying to him, I'll happily serve this appointment as long as Duke will allow me to be a student pastor and attend school. And so we reached out and we were told, no. I was not going to be allowed to be that student pastor. And I was so devastated. I was so disappointed. Because here I was. I was wanting to do a thing for God. I was wanting to serve his church. I was wanting to serve his people. But I was also wanting to continue my education. And I was being told that my will was not going to be what could happen. And when we don't get our way, when we don't get our will, so many times our reaction is just to get mad. And that's all I did. I didn't get my way. And I felt like I was a child throwing a temper tantrum. I was mad at God. I was mad at Duke. I was mad at my district superintendent. I was mad. I was mad at myself for not pursuing education harder earlier in life. And so I was just devastated that my will didn't match up with thy will. You know, when things don't go the way that we want them to, so many times we don't know what to do with that. And so we just reach out in usually horrible, horrible ways. Ultimately, I did enter into school, and I proved to myself and I proved to the school that I was now a different person. And ultimately, I was able to be appointed as a student pastor after my first year. And then a year after my graduation, the amazing thing happened. A district superintendent called, and they had an appointment that they wanted me to go serve. And in a most unusual twist of fate, the appointment that they asked me to go to was the exact appointment that I had been asked to go to before I started as a Duke Divinity School student. And what I learned is had I gone when I first wanted to go by my own will, it would have been devastating. It would have been devastating to me. It would have been devastating to that church. In no way was I equipped. In no way was I ready. But at that time, in God's time, I was able to go and to learn and to lead and to be able to live. See, in that moment, I realized that I needed to humble myself because it's not about me. It's not about my will. It's about thy will. 
And that's the life that I think I'm learning from David. One of the things that I see from David is so much that David could have done is follow his own devices, his own desires. And in this moment, even though God says, no, not you, but one of your offspring will build it, David still could have said, but I want to do it anyway. And that's what we do so many times, right? I mean, God tries to close the door, and we're the ones that are barging, busting it open because we want our way. We want to follow my will instead of the will of somebody else. But David is teaching me about how to live with humility. Because you know what happens after Nathan tells David that it's not going to be you, but it's going to be your offspring? (laughs) David praises God. Look, that's not a normal reaction, I don't think. When we don't get our way, when we don't get our will, normally we don't usually say, thanks, God, you're right, I was wrong. No, that's not our human nature. So many times we still want to try to bargain. So many times we still try to argue with God. I find myself so convicted in my prayers when so many times it feels like I'm giving God a laundry list of things that I need him to do. And then when I close with the Lord's Prayer, I'm reminded, thy will be done, not mine. I'm reminded of Jesus in the garden on that night as he prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But... If it is your will, let it be so. See, I think we see this model of humility, of accepting God's will instead of our will, being lived out in David. We saw it lived out in Jesus. Maybe today, especially today, we might take a lesson from this and to learn to humble ourselves. But it's not about me. It's about everybody else. It's about us as a people of God. It's not about the inconvenience of wearing a mask. We wear a mask because we're humbling ourselves. Because we're showing love and care for other people around us. We make these sacrifices. And when we are going to lead with humility, there are things that we're going to have to do. When we lead with humility, we have got to be willing to sacrifice. You know what? Because it's not about me. It's about thee. And when we're willing to sacrifice like that, it's going to come. It's going to be a personal sacrifice. It's going to be a financial sacrifice because we have got to lead with that humility, recognizing that life is bigger than just me, that God's ways are not my ways. God's timing is not my timing, but God's ways are perfect and God's timing is perfect. And when we lead with humility, it's where we remove ourselves from the equation I've heard it said that courage isn't the absence of fear, but the absence of self. And I would dare say that humility could also be defined as the absence of self. David was willing to take his will and replace it with God's will. And that's what we're called to do. To remove our will and replace it with God's will. When we do that, we don't do it looking for rewards. David wasn't looking for glory for himself. We do it because it's what God calls us to. Maybe there's something in your life right now that you've been struggling with. Maybe you've been praying about something uh, that you've been asking God, God, I want this to happen in my life. Maybe today is all about us hearing a word that reminds us, let thy will be done. Let's humble ourselves and accept God's will, God's ways, and God's timing. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks 
that we have a God that we can cry out to. And we have a God that hears us when we do. Lord, so many times we want to to tell you how things should be done, when things should be done. And Lord, we're so desperate for this pandemic to be over. We're so ready. But God, I understand your timing is not our timing. Your ways are not our ways. And so we trust in you. We're trusting in decisions that are being made. We're trusting uh, that you are equipping and guiding those who are making important decisions. But Lord, when it comes to us, help us to realize that you are God and we're not. And that your will supersedes our will. So today, Lord, whatever it is we've been struggling with, whatever it is we've been wrestling with, Lord, may we accept. May we accept your will. May we surrender our own ways. For it's all about you. We offer this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.